Good morning, ICF Rome. I have the very special privilege of introducing you to my son-in-law, Pastor Nick Smith from California. Today, he has a message for each and every one of us. I want you to lean in, I want you to take notes, and I want you to remember that in Jesus, you are complete. I pray that you are blessed by the word of God and I will see you next Sunday. Have any of you ever had a bad day by show of hands? How many of you, today is a bad day? Hey, I'm preaching, it's not a bad day. Come on now, you're in God's house, it's not a bad day. When I was in college, one night I was sleeping, like most nights, and I was sleeping and I woke up in the middle of the night, I needed to use the restroom, and so I sit up in bed, I kind of pull the, the covers off, I fling my legs around over the side of the bed, and I put my feet on the ground. I stand up, but a major problem happens. Have any of you ever had a body part fall asleep? Any of you ever had a foot, a leg, an arm, it's just limp, you can't feel it, there's no sensation? Well, I'm half asleep. I stand up and I try to take a step. And it's like a slow motion movie sequence. All of a sudden you see this. I'm slow motion falling, going, oh, I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out to try to hold on to something for dear life. The only thing I can grab is a standing lamp. I grab the lamp and you know what it does? It comes with me on my journey. As I fall to the ground, lying there moaning on the ground, my roommates wake up and they go, what happened? I'm like, I just sprained both of my ankles. That's a bad day, people. Maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe you got stuck in traffic. That's a bad day. And we have some traffic around these parts. Maybe you got to work and you forgot that that project that you were supposed to have done was due today. That might be a bad day for you. Maybe you went to the car wash thinking, I'm going to get a car wash. You're going through, you're looking at all the cool lights and things. It's a little light show in there, but you forgot to close the sunroof. And now you get a colorful foam shower. That's a bad day. Sometimes in life, we go further than a bad day. And we step into what I call the worst day. Those situations look like this. Maybe you had got some doctor's tests and the doctor calls you or brings you into the office and gives you some really bad news. They tell you, you have something that is incurable. Maybe you get a phone call and somebody that you love has been terribly injured or even worse, they've died. Sometimes in life, we have terrible days, worst days. We don't always know how to respond on those worst days. What do I do in those situations? Today, we're gonna to take a moment and we're gonna look at a story in the Bible where the disciples are having a worst day experience. And let's see what happened when God steps into the moment with them. So if you have your Bible, if you could turn with me 
to John chapter 20, and we'll be starting in verse 19. But let me set this up for you. Jesus had been crucified on Friday. The disciples were hiding, and it's now Sunday. Jesus had been buried in a tomb. It had been sealed, closed. Guards were standing in front of it. There were some rumors and even some eyewitness accounts that somehow Jesus' body was gone, and some people said they even saw Jesus. But the bulk of the disciples had not yet seen Jesus. And so they're in disbelief. They don't know what to do. They're scared. And here's where we pick up the story in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So let's rewind a little bit. It's Sunday night. They're hiding. The leader of their movement, the person that they believed was the Messiah, had been crucified. And they're hiding behind a locked door. The Jewish leaders didn't think Jesus was the Messiah, so they had him killed. They're thinking, we're next. To top it off, rumors had been spread that the body of Jesus was gone. The soldiers who had been guarding the tomb, they had been paid off to sell a lie, to tell that the disciples had gone, that they had taken the body. So the disciples are thinking, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. And the scripture tells us that they are hiding behind a locked door. And it was locked because they were afraid. Shut doors prevent things from coming in. Maybe you've shut some doors in your life. Have you ever been afraid because something in the past happened to you? Have you ever been afraid because somebody you loved had something happen in the past? And because of that situation, that circumstance, we end up shutting some doors and we lock them. There's some people in this room today that perhaps you've shut the door and locked it on some emotions. Or you shut the door and locked it on some relationships. Or on your finances. Or on your dreams. Or on your health. We shut the door to protect ourselves, to prevent something from coming in. But I want to share this with you. When you shut the door and lock it, You've not only locked the outside world out, but you've locked yourself in. Did you hear that? You've locked yourself in. For some of us today, we need to unlock the doors and allow people in. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't need a door. This is what the story goes. He just shows up and he's in their presence. My first point today is on your worst day, 
Jesus is near. On your worst day, Jesus is near. Even if you feel alone in life, you are never alone. In the Old Testament, Moses was speaking to Joshua, who was about to step into a leadership position. He was about to lead the people into the promised land. And this is what he says to Joshua. This is in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If there are people in this room or people who are watching online that you feel alone, you are never alone. He has not forsaken you. In fact, it says he's gone before you. Have any of you ever stepped into a moment that uh, might be a little bit scary? You may uh, not know this, but Pastor Gary's a bit of a prankster. Where his office is located, he has windows that allow him to see, like, as people are driving in to come in for the work day. And this is what he does sometimes. He waits. He sees a car coming by. He knows whose car is who. He runs down the office hall. He will go into your office, turn the lights off, and hide behind the door. Every once in a while, you hear this, ah! That means Pastor Gary was waiting for you. When you step into a room that's supposed to be empty or supposed to, and it's dark, you're not expecting someone just to show up and go, ah! Now, that's a funny situation. Let's go back to the disciples here for a minute. They're in the room. They know everybody in the room very well. They're there already in a sense of fear. And as they're talking, as they're going about whatever their business is at the moment, a man just appears. Remember, I already set this up. They think death is at their doorstep. They think they're about to be taken out by some guards. And this is what Jesus says. Peace be with you. Now that word peace, it means tranquility. It means rest. It means safety. It means calm. He was trying to put them at ease. Saying, listen, it's okay. There are some of you in this room today, you need to hear, it's okay. It's okay. Safety is here. Calm is here. Peace is here. And immediately after he says this, it says that he shows them his, his hands and his side. He had just been crucified three days earlier. The aftermath of our worst days often leaves scars in our life. Sometimes they're physical scars. Sometimes they're an emotional scar. Sometimes it's a mental scar. Most of us, when we have some sort of a scar, we kind of look at it and we're like, oh, that bad thing happened. That terrible situation, that worst day happened. And we think of it as a painful memory. You see a hurt. 
But I want to challenge you today to look at the scars of your life. And I want you to see a wound that is healed. That's what a scar is. A wound that is healed. It is evidence of God's faithfulness. My second point today is on my worst day, my scars are evidence of God's faithfulness. When you look at a wound, make the right choice in how you look at it. There are people in this room, there's people online who are watching right now that you have wounds that you have something that has now healed and it has become a scar, but oftentimes we hide those things. When we need to proudly display them, and I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, this is ugly, I don't wanna show that to people, I don't. No, you're missing the point. Your scar is proof that you are healed. Your scar is proof that you have survived. There are people in this room who come in and they are worshiping on a Sunday morning and it takes everything in them to, to cry out, to speak out those words as we sing a song. And it is evidence that they have survived something. Do not be afraid to show your scars to people because somebody else needs that encouragement. It says, if you made it, I can make it too. There's a man by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament this guy had the worst of the worst of the worst. And you wonder, how did he get to the next situation? And the next situation, I believe it's because he looked at the past situation. He saw the scar. He saw the evidence and was able to move on. So let me rewind the story a little bit. Joseph, as a young boy his, of 12, his brothers hated him. So much so, they threw him into a, a pit and they were going to kill him, but then they thought, ah, let's at least sell him into slavery. He sold into slavery. Then he ends up at Potiphar's house. And I think Joseph is saying, how am I supposed to get through this moment? But then he remembers, well, God saved me from the pit. Then while he's in Potiphar's house, crazy accusations happen and he gets put in jail. While he's in jail, I wonder what he's thinking. And he remembers the scars of the past. Well, God's already been faithful to me. God's already been faithful to me. And he goes from the pit. He goes from Potiphar's house. He goes to the prison. And then he ends up in the palace. All leading up to that moment. All evidence of God's faithfulness in his life. Choose to look at your scars in life and see evidence of God's faithfulness. My next point is, on my worst day, Jesus, who is peace, is with me. Jesus, who is peace, is with me. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wait a second. Didn't Jesus already say, peace be with you? He did. When something in the Bible is repeated, that means, hey, you better pay attention. This is really important. When the pastor, the preacher, whoever says something twice or three times or four times, it's to catch your attention and say, this is really important. So when he says, peace be with you, let's look at this. I already told you that peace can mean safety. It can mean calm. It can mean rest, tranquility. 
But there are some more meanings of the word peace. The word peace also means completeness. It means wholeness. Remember the disciples in the garden when Jesus was being taken away? They abandoned him. When Jesus is on trial, they had abandoned him. When he's on the cross, they had abandoned them. In fact, one of them even denied even knowing him. The disciples behind a locked door, they have to be feeling fear. They have to be feeling shame. They have to be feeling regret, like we don't deserve this. What did we do? We failed. And then Jesus appears and he says peace again, but this time he says wholeness, completeness be with you. There are moments in your life when you may feel like you have failed, and God is saying, have peace. There are moments in your life when you feel like everything is wrong, and he's saying, have peace. There are moments in your life when you have fear, and he's saying, have peace. Your eternity in heaven is already established if you've accepted Christ into your life. Have peace. So when Jesus is saying this, peace be with you, he is saying, peace, me, Jesus, I am with you. Jesus is with you. He's with you. Back to the story, John chapter 20, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before this, Jesus had said, God has sent me, and now I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. This word breathe in Greek, it's emphaseo. This is the only place in the New Testament that this word is used. It means to blow or to breathe upon. Now, what, what you may not understand this word is the same exact word that's used in Genesis. God had formed Adam out of the dust. And it says he breathed life into them. When he breathed life into him, he gave him a soul. He gave them a living spirit. And as you might know, the story goes on that Adam and Eve, they sinned in this this personal connection with God had been broken. In theological terms, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. When Jesus has come back, he's breathing life once again. Let me, let me explain that a little bit more. Jesus had followers. He had people who believed he was the Messiah, but he had not yet paid for the price. He had not paid the price yet for their sin. Jesus is now standing there, shows his hands, shows his side. He's the evidence. And he says, I am breathing life into you again. I am restoring that connection for you 
to have a relationship with God. There are people in this room today that you need to know that Jesus is breathing life into you. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, that Jesus is breathing life into you. And right after it says that he breathed on him, it says that they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not the Holy Spirit that, that you may think of on the day of Pentecost. He is saying, I am giving you the comforter. I am giving you this guide for your life, this connection to the Heavenly Father. My last point here is on my worst day, Jesus breathes life into me. On my worst day, Jesus breathes life into me. Let him breathe life into you. Back in February, I was driving to the office, to the church. I was praying to God. Let me rephrase that. I was complaining to God. Any of you have prayers that sound a lot like complaints? I was complaining to God, pointing out all the worst days that we had had as a family. This past summer was ridiculous for my family. My wife had four people that she loved very much die. We fast forward the story a little bit later. Our baby who was one year old, he had a seizure and ends up being taken by the ambulance to the hospital. I, as a father, I have no idea what's happening and I'm going like, why God, why? Fast forward to the next story. There's some health issues that are creeping into our family. I'm going, why God? Even my kids are asking me, daddy, why, why is all this happening to our family? And I'm, I'm there and I'm, 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 I'm complaining to God and saying, God, look at all this stuff in my life. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm emotionally spent. I've tried to be brave through each of these moments and be there, but God, I have nothing else, nothing else. And I was feeling like God wasn't there. And in that moment, God began to whisper to my soul. And I want to share what he said to me in hopes that you hear it as God speaking to you today. On my worst day, remember I am a child of God. On my worst day, when I am discouraged, remember that he gave me a comforter. On my worst day, when I feel worthless, that God says I am a masterpiece. On my worst day, when I feel stuck in life, God is setting me up for what's next. On my worst day, I am destined for heaven. On my worst day, when I feel like I have failed, 
remember that God has forgiven me. On my worst day when I feel like I wish I had more, remember that I have given you exactly what you need. On my worst day when I feel powerless, remember God has equipped me. On my worst day when I'm dissatisfied with life itself, remember to be thankful that I am alive. On my worst day when I walk through pain, Remember that God can use it to propel me forward in life. On my worst day when I need a miracle, remember that God has already given me two. He gave me life and he gave me heaven. On my worst day, God is good. Church, for every problem that you have, God has a promise. My worst day with Jesus is better than my best day without Jesus. I have some questions that I want you to walk away with today. Is there an area of my life that I've tried to lock people out of? What scars do I have in my life that already show God's faithfulness? What area in my life do I need peace? What can I choose to be thankful about in my difficult season? Perhaps you're in the room today or maybe you're watching online. I wanna give an opportunity right now if you've never asked Jesus into your life. That moment that I talked about where Jesus breathed life, he can do that right now for you. And so I'm gonna ask that as a community, as a family, that we would accept Christ into our hearts So if you would, if you would repeat after me. Jesus, I believe in you. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you. Breathe your life into me. Amen. Hey, if you just said that prayer right now, there is a party going on in heaven. They are so thrilled. The angels are rejoicing. We as a church are rejoicing with you. This is the best decision that you have ever made in your life. Wow, I'll tell you what, the presence of the Lord is so real to change your life. So today I wanna invite you to pray with me. Maybe you would say, Pastor Jen, the ministry of the word and the scripture today really challenged me to draw closer to Jesus. So right now, I want to invite you to say to the Lord, I want to give you all of my heart. 
So I want you to repeat this prayer with me, and then I want you to send me an email later and let me know I'm making some new decisions to go deeper with Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, come into my heart, change my life, help me to walk closer to you, Jesus, than ever before. I trust you and I receive your love and I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. That is the best prayer you have ever prayed. And you know why I know? Because the Bible says, choose you today who you will serve. So every day you have to wake up and decide, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this day, in this circumstance. I also know that there are so many who have big needs. They have big prayer requests before God. So I'm praying with you right now, wherever you are, that the Lord would surround you, that in this very moment, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would come and descend in that room of listening, in that living room, in that dining room, in that car, God, wherever someone is listening right now, and that their faith would jump alive, that they would hear you saying, I'm not done. I'm still working on it, says the Lord. I've got a miracle in motion for you, so I want you to believe with the Lord. I want you to walk in victory and I want you to know that the Lord is with you. And Father, we thank you for the miracle testimonies that are in the making that we're going to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I also want to thank you for being a part of our online campus. I thank you for your online giving. I thank you for the way you're investing in the way we invest in people's lives. It's not just for today. It's for eternity. And so I want you to say to the Lord, God, how can I do more for the kingdom of God? Right where I am, whether I'm online or on campus, there are so many wonderful activities. You need to check out the website. You need to click for registrations. There's going to be so many wonderful things that we have to offer this summer. You may go on vacation, but we don't take a vacation from Jesus. Remember, Jesus is with you wherever you go, and we must stay connected. So take advantage of online ministry and online giving to stay connected to what God is doing in you and through you with the body of Christ here at the International Christian Fellowship of Rome. I love you, and I know this is going to be a fantastic week for you.